everyone. Welcome to the Defiant Podcast. The internet of money is being built with blockchain technology and without banks. We call it DeFi, short for decentralized finance. And this is where you can hear the builders and users of this cutting edge world tell their stories firsthand. I'm your host, Camila Russo. In this week's episode, I speak with Scoopy Truples, founder of Alchemix, a protocol that programs self-paying loans without the risk of liquidation. Think about that. Here's a DeFi application that promises to automatically pay users collateralized loans, and on top of that, guarantee they won't be liquidated. Scoopy explains how something like that can work, and it's all about plugging into other money Legos like Urine Finance to earn yield off collateral and use that yield to pay off loans. We talk about how DeFi's composability is key for protocols like Alchemix, which simply wouldn't be possible in TradFi. But we also talk about how the risk of having so many applications relying on each other stack up. Scoopy also goes into Alchemix v2. The plan is to open up the protocol to collateral options beyond the current DAI and ETH and also expand to other yield strategies so users can decide what level of risk they're willing to take. Scooby also goes into what he believes is a new movement in DeFi, which he helped coin as DeFi 2.0. Scooby says dApps will now have options besides yield farming to attract liquidity to their protocols, which will allow teams to better control assets in their smart contracts, increasing capital efficiency. To him, what's most exciting about what's coming up in this space is how we can leverage tools like Money Legos and DAOs to make an impact in the real world. Before we get to it, here's a word about our sponsors. Integral is a new DeFi primitive and OTC trading protocol built for large crypto trades. Large trades can be a challenge in DeFi. On a typical $1 million order, $10,000 is lost due to front running, widespread and price impacts. Whales, crypto funds, and financial institutions all experience these issues. With Integral, traders can now efficiently execute multi-million dollar trades with one-click TWAP, tight spreads, programmatic execution, and native on-chain settlement. Visit integral.link to trade with size on DeFi. Don't let high gas costs keep you out of Ethereum. At Balancer, you can trade all you want and get most of the gas costs back in your pocket. In their new BAL for Gas campaign, traders are receiving six figures worth of BAL tokens every week. And with V2 just around the corner, Balancer is becoming the one-stop shop for DeFi liquidity. Balancer V2 brings stable pools and weighted pools tightly integrated under a single protocol, flash loans lending via asset managers, and much more. Check it out at balancer.finance. The new Kraken app is one of the best places to invest in some of the most popular DeFi assets like Uniswap, Aave, Polkadot tokens, and more. Just download the app and get started in minutes. Plus, you can earn additional rewards through Kraken's industry-leading staking product. Payouts are twice a week, and you can earn up to 20% annually on some of your favorite cryptos. Sign up today at kraken.com defiant, or type Kraken in the App Store to learn more. Experience DeFi. Deposit, earn, and borrow on Aave. Aave is a decentralized, open-source, and non-custodial liquidity protocol to earn interest on deposits and borrow assets. 
deposit and start earning interest in real time directly in your wallet, and swap any of your deposited assets at any time to get some of the best deals on the market. Other protocol liquidity pools are now available on Ethereum and on the sidechain Polygon. Head over to app.ave.com to get started today. By the way, I wanted to give you a quick heads up that the Defiant News is now included in CoinJoy's feed. Check out their curated aggregation of top crypto news sources. All right, uh, here we are with Scooby Drupals, uh, the co-founder of Alchemix, a lending protocol which promises to automatically repay users' loans without liquidating them. Uh, Scooby, welcome to the Defined Podcast. It's so great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Kami. Yay. Um, okay, so um, first of, like, I, I just want to get this out of the way. Like, how, how did you come up with the the um the pseudonym scooby troubles and of course like you all watching on youtube will see that uh, scooby has a, an anime face on uh, as many others in the DeFi ecosystem um you know uh, he is an, an anonymous founder to uh, like a growing trend in in crypto thanks to DeFi. so if you can kind of give a little bit of background on that Uh, well, this is my real face. I am a 2D character. <laughs> Let, let's make that clear. Um, so, um, as far as like uh, like how I got started in crypto and, and how Alchemics came to be, um, I, I first uh, I think it was like way back in 2011. I read an article about the Silk Road, um, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds interesting." And, um, and I went down the rabbit hole a little bit, um, and then I went to a site to buy some Bitcoin. And right before I hit the buy button, I was like, mm, nah, this isn't for me. And then I kind of tuned out of Bitcoin for, for wow. years at that point. Um, big, big whoops right there. Um, I think it was like less than a dollar at the time. So it was like, oh, well, um, I probably would have spent it on, you know, the Silk Road stuff anyway. So, <laughs> um, And then like uh, next time I heard about it was like in 2013, 14, when it had like, you know, it's big, you know, run up. And then subsequent crash. And, you know, some people I knew were like telling me to get into it, but like, no, it's a bubble. And then when it crashed, I felt vindicated about it. And then like, I kind of looked at it again in uh, like 2016. Um, I, I had some, you know, you know, some like windfalls come my way and I was like, oh, I need to invest these. And I started looking into doing different investing things. And, and I looked at Bitcoin. And I saw that like, you know, it was trending back up after being in like a really extended bear market. And I was like, wow, it didn't die. Like, you know, like it's still around. <laughs> and at that point, I really started taking it seriously and decided to just like throw all my chips in into Bitcoin at that point. Um, and then once you're in, you have skin in the game, then like, you know, I think everybody, you know, can attest that it kind of becomes like an obsession. You go down the rabbit hole and that, that becomes all you can think about anymore. And sorry, and were, you, were you like just like experienced in trading um, assets outside of Bitcoin? Like was like speculating no, what you did. No. I I was like this is my first foray into any type of investing oh, wow. really at all. Yeah. Um, so you know, once I started getting into it, you know, it really appealed to me a lot too because um, you know, like what would happen in like 2008 with the financial crisis. Um, you know, it 
you know, it felt like there was no way out. Like the system was unfair, but there was also no way out. We were living in their sandbox and, and that was that. And once I started learning more and more about Bitcoin, I was like, oh, wow, this is like as big of a discovery as like, you know, the separation of church and state is the separation of, uh, you know, uh, of money and mm. state. And it really dawned on me that that's a really powerful idea. And it is a way for people to opt out of like kind of the controls um, that, you know, the financial system, you know, kind of imposes on everybody in, in the world. Um, and so deeper down the rabbit hole I went, um, naturally I, you know, I gravitated towards Ethereum, um, you know, because of all the ICOs that were going on and, you know, all of the incredible gains that were to be had in those I ICOs and, you know, everything was pumping left and right in 2007. It was, it was just a crazy time. And I mean, 2021 has been great, but it still like was nothing compared to 2017. Um, just like the whole frothiness of everything at that time was just mm -hmm. incredible. Um, and then, you know, doing, you know, being more involved in Ethereum and getting, you know, my feet wet more and more with, you know, token transfers and ICOs. Um, eventually I started using dApps with uh, CryptoKitties being my, my first time ever using MetaMask and being really confused about how to set gas limits mm -hmm. and, and, you know, gas prices and everything like that. Um, and then, after I got a few of those NFTs um, in 2018, I started playing around. Like there wasn't a whole, there wasn't DeFi in early mm -hmm. 2018 at all. Um, but there was a number of like these kind of like money Ponzi games that were out at the time. Uh, like there was like a Proof of Weekends, there was FOMO 3D <laughs> and, and games like that. And you know, I, I dabbled in those a little bit, but like that really started sparking my like, curiosity. But like, well, you know, I know that these are really you know you know, kind of like little scammy things to do with, with money. And, you know, I guess if everybody knows like the rules going ahead, like, you know, ahead of time, it's a little bit different than an actual Ponzi, but like, I was like, wow, they can do a lot of stuff with programmable money. Mm. And it really got me thinking about that at that time. Um, you know, I was in a completely different field of work, you know, salary nine to five you know, position. Um, and I, I wasn't a coder at all at that wow. time. Um, but I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I, I lay awake at night thinking about, you know, like different protocols, different designs, different like things that you can make with it. And so then I, you know, using the, the gains I made in the, you know, that bull market, I had enough FU money to say FU to my job and my boss and, and walk out. And I, I joined a coding boot camp and I haven't looked back yet. Um, when, when was this? Yeah. 2018? That was in 2018, yes. Oh, that's an amazing journey. So you came into crypto without having any previous experience coding or, or even trading, but got into Bitcoin first, interested in in kind of the, the alternative financial system aspect of it, and then down the ICO rabbit hole, and then through there into, um, you know, attracted about uh, programmable money, and, and then thanks to ICOs and like all, all the 2017 bubble, you were able to actually uh, quit your job and just like go uh, full time, uh, actually like building the, these like programmable money based um, applications. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to get my hands on it, you know, because like it's it's one thing to write about ideas and share them with others, but it's another thing completely to, to actually be a part of building yeah. it. So 
Um, during the time I was in various crypto discords and I kind of found my tribe, uh, and I had a, a number of close friends and, uh, a few of them were also, uh, developers, uh, you know, as well. And so we, we kept on like kind of pitching around ideas and kind of getting started on projects and then, you know, stopping mm -hmm. on them. And then finally, um, you know, one idea came along that really resonated with, uh, you know, all of us like in our little tribe together. Um, and that was originally called CheeseFi, uh, which is like the precursor to Alchemix. Mm. Uh, and then while we were developing that, we kind of like, you know, kind of stumbled upon the idea for Alchemix uh, as we were trying to fix some of the problems that, that were in that earlier model. And, you know, then once we had that idea in our head, we're like, oh, we got to build this. And then, you know, basically it was uh, from September 2020 until, yeah, the end of February, we were just heads down building Alchemix, and then we released, uh, yeah, end of February. Um, so where did the idea come from? Like, was it about this, like, um, protocol with self-paying loans from, from the start? No, no. Cheesebuy was originally an idea to get your future yield up mm. front. So that idea was like you would deposit die, you would specify a certain amount of like uh, days to uh, to lock it up, um, and then you would get this uh, this cheese token in return mm. for it. And then all of the uh, interest that was earned, uh, you know, we we're thinking about using something like Ave or um, Idle Finance at the time because Jiren wasn't really a thing when we were planning mm -hmm. Cheesebuy. Um, you know, we were going to do that. And then with like the interest payments, we'd buy back the, the cheese tokens from the market. So that way it would kind of make a, like a, uh, you know, a virtual synthetic of your future. Mm, okay. Um, and that was the idea behind that. But we, we started diving into like MEV and sandwich attacks and other things like that. And we modeled it out and we realized that, that it wouldn't. Mm. And so while we were trying to solve that issue for it, um, we kind of stumbled upon the model for Alchemix. Um, and we changed the name from Cheesefy because at that time, all the food tokens kind of had a rotten taste in everyone's <laughs> mouth because, you know, what happened with Yam and like the millions of clones of sushi and everything like that. We decided to like stay away from the food uh, kind of brand. Oh, that's interesting. Was Cheesefy before the, the whole food uh, token mania? Yeah, I actually, I actually shared it with Dan Elitzer before he launched Yam. And so I was like, oh, thanks for ruining food tokens, man. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, um, okay, so can, can you just like go uh, more in depth into how Alchemix works? Like how can this possibly yeah. happen? So the way Alchemics works is that users uh, at, at the current moment with their V1, they deposit DAI mm -hmm. or ETH um, into Alchemics. If they deposit DAI, then that goes into Yearn, into their YV DAI vault to earn interest. And then the amount of DAI that you put into the system um, acts as your collateral base. And then you can borrow uh, against that with our synthetic uh, stablecoin, AlUSD. Mm -hmm. And then with the ETH side, same thing, but you can borrow the synthetic Ether out. And how much can you borrow? Um, for DAI, um, for AlUSD, you can borrow 50% of the uh, the value of your collateral. And uh, with AlETH, it's 25%. Mm -hmm. And the reason we parameterized that is because uh, we were, you know, trying to be conscious of yield repayment, uh, you know, loan repayment times. Um, and when we launched Al ETH, the, the yields for ETH were like really mm. low, like two or three percent. So we thought like if somebody's going to be in there and lock for 20 years, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense 
um, in that respect. So by having a higher collateralization ratio, we could ensure that the loan repayment time would be a lot more reasonable for I people. See. Okay, so how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for example, I uh, deposit 100 die in Alchemix. Mm -hmm. I get 50 yeah. Al die in return. Um, Al USD. It was originally oh, called Al USD. Though. Okay. Um, and <laughs> yes. then uh, the 100 die I put in is then put in a urine vault. Mm -hmm. And that starts earning interest. And where does that interest uh, come from? It's it's like from people like like using dye in urine to borrow and and uh, and so yeah. urine has a number of strategies mm -hmm. that they use in order to generate mm -hmm. yield. Um, you know, like some of the more basic ones are just put them in uh, lending platforms like Cream, Ave, uh, Compound, and stuff like that. But they also have some more advanced strategies where they use the dye to do yield farming. Mm -hmm. um, and, and with the, the, you know, the governance tokens that they, they farm, they liquidate those to buy more dye to put back into the strategy to compound. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, it's like this, this like huge, like, Ladder. Okay, so um, you you deposit dye on on Alchemix uh, that goes to Yearn. Yearn then uses that dye in, in different strategies, uh, and that's where the interest comes comes from. And then that interest is used to pay the uh, fifty dye that the user borrowed from that hundred dye collateral. The fifty uh, Al USD right. yeah, pays off your Al USD mm -hmm. debt. Um, and it doesn't like go directly into the person's hands. It goes into a peg stability module that we call the transmuter, mm -hmm. um, which then guarantees a one-to-one -one conversion for AlUSD to die. It just takes longer than a, like swapping on an AMM. So there's a trade-off for that. You can ensure that you, you can trade without slippage that way, um, but it does take longer than a swap like on Curve does. So, okay. So what, what does that, uh, how, how would that work? Like, who who would be redeeming um, that die? So if the um, the peg of LUSD um, falls, mm -hmm. like, you know, it, it's been very rock steady. Um, uh, you know, it hasn't gone under ninety nine cents mm -hmm. uh, uh, to date. But even then, if it's like ninety nine point two cents, ninety nine point three cents, if somebody takes enough, you know, liquidity in there and they, they exchange enough LUSD for die through the transmitter, they can make some money off the arbitrage. Oh, got it. Okay, so and that brings the price back mm -hmm. up because they buy the uh, the LUSD off the market in order to make this arbitrage. Happen. I see. Okay. Okay. So so okay. So that uh, that interest uh, that that um, Alchemix gets from. The collateral that's that's deposited on Alchemix is then put in in this kind of like separate uh, vault like uh, system called uh, trans trans Transmuter, transmuter. Yes, with the alchemy right okay and uh -huh. then that's used to maintain the LUSD peg because you you, you can yes. take, you can ensure that you you're always able to uh, to swap LUSD for die and so that maintains the peg. Mm -hmm. Yes. Nice. Yes. Uh, that's fed by yield from the transmute or from the uh, the Alchemix contracts, and also anytime somebody repays their debt in mm -hmm. die because they have the choice to do it in LUSD or die. But anytime somebody repays their debt in die, that goes straight to the transmuter. And then the transmuter is further enhanced by also depositing into urine. So the yield that it generates actually goes towards the depositors in Alchemix and increases the their interest payments, essentially. And 
makes their loan repayment happen right. faster. And and that's and 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 you said like if if people wanted to repay th their loan, like some people can just choose to repay their their loan themselves rather than have the system repay them uh, for them, repay it for them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not locked in. Like it's like when you take out a Alios loan, you don't have to wait until the system pays off all your collateral for or all your debt mm -hmm. for you. You can come back anytime, and that's also another pay stability uh, mechanism. Like let's say there is a discount on Alios um, and you want to get out, you would just buy Alios off the market for for cheaper than the price of a dollar, and then that would bring up the price, and you can you know pay off your debt. That and then way. you get uh, the collateral back, right? Yes, right. yes. We can, um, you know, as debt repayments happen automatically in the system, you can withdraw more and more of your oh. collateral because you'll become over collateralized at that point. Oh, I see. So you don't need to wait until all of your loan is repaid to get your collateral back. You can withdraw partially, yes, whatever is available. So you just have to maintain. There's a maximum 200% uh, collateralization ratio. So if you're maxed out at that ratio, you can't withdraw anything. But if you're not, then you can withdraw whatever you're allowed to withdraw at that point. To maintain that ratio. Okay, very cool. Um, so far, how many loans have been repaid, like automatically in Alchemix? I don't know about how many loans have been repaid for uh, Alchemix, but I know that um, since we launched, we have repaid uh, around um, uh, around thirty million dollars in debt. Oh wow! Okay, that's really cool. Uh, and in in what time? Um, that's uh, since February twenty seventh, so that's coming up on like nine or ten months at this point. Really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are some some of the kind of initial like issues or, or problems you've seen with the model? Um. So. One issue is that like we're a little bit sensitive with uh, our peg at times uh, because where other CDP platforms charge interest, so like when you go to repay your debt or you get liquidated, always a little bit more is taken off the market in order to repay that debt. Um, but uh, since Alchemics, we don't charge any interest, and we get it from you know the, the yield bearing tokens, and then it kind of can't, you know goes one to one in the in the transmitter. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more sensitive in that way, um, but that that's really the only issue. Even despite that, because we have this huge backstop in our transmitter of like over 130 million die, um, we have had a super rock steady peg, and I expect the same to happen in the future. Really cool. Yeah. So, how have you seen people? Um, using Alchemix? Like, what are people using these self-repaying uh, loans for? So, on the DAI side, um, like, definitely I, I see people using it to, to um, like, do real-world finance stuff. Uh, we've had people come in our Discord and talk about the things that they've actually financed with this. Um, one of the most prominent examples is uh, a user, his dad, his boat sunk in a, in a storm uh, a few years back. And he used a uh, you know alchemics loan in order to uh, buy a boat for his dad. So his dad has a self repaying boat. At this oh my point. god, that's so cool! <laughs> uh, yeah, I know some, somebody else bought a car. I know a more heartwarming story is that uh, somebody uh, paid their hospital bills for their newborn son. No, uh, and I know somebody paid off their their grad school debt uh, using an alchemics loan as well. So. 
There, there's, you know, we want people to use the platform to um, essentially not have to make that trade-off between saving and spending. Because, mm. um, like, if you were to, you know, take your principal and then use that to you know, pay off different things in life, then you would have, like, you know, less principal to earn on in DeFi. Mm. And what Alchemix does, it allows you to take the full value of your principal and earn on that and still then take a loan off against that and then, you know, spend with it. So you can spend and save at the same time. Mm. And I think that's really the power of Alchemix. Really cool. And have you, what have you noticed like with like recent market dynamics, like now that people are more bullish on ETH, um, have you seen any any changes on how people are using Alchemix? Like, are people using more ETH as, as collateral now, or is, is it not as sensitive? Well, Al ETH um, has really grown a lot significantly mm -hmm. over the past month. Um, the We recently rubbed up against our debt cap, and we're in the process of uh, increasing it. Um, And our deposits are just like through the roof. Um, so I think what people are doing um, is that they're they're borrowing like Al ETH, and then they're trading it for more ETH to put into Alchemix, so they can sort of um, get more leverage on top of it that way. Mm -hmm. And it's a very safe system, so they don't have to worry about being liquidated. So you know, people feel comfortable putting it in there and you know letting it work for them long term. Mm, very cool. So how how much uh, collateral is in Alchemix right now? Um, on the DAI side, we have um, about, in total, 370 million DAI in there. Um, it's around 240 that's in the um, Alchemist contract, which is backing the CDPs, and then another 130 million in the transmitter, which is the, uh, the backstop. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the ETH side, um, it's a similar story. We have like 80,000 ETH total in Alchemix at this point. And I think around uh, 50,000 of that is in the transmuter and the rest is in the uh, the Alchemist contract for it. Very well. Um, what what happens when a yield starts to to go down? Um, like, do you do you react by allowing uh, like by having like a, a bigger collateral ratios to prevent what you said before, like having loans uh, take so long to be repaid or? Or I don't know what um, what how, how how do you react to that? Because I mean yields were coming down quite a bit uh, for for some time uh, earlier this year. I'd imagine now with like a renewed bull run, maybe maybe they'll start uh, coming up again. But I mean everything is so volatile in in, in DeFi. So how how do you, how do you balance that? Well, I think the fact that Alchemix, we don't lock people in, they can repay their debt at any time, mm -hmm. um, allows them to get in and out uh, according to their, their comfort level or their satisfaction mm -hmm. with the yields. We, we, we're not doing fixed yield because if we did that, we would have to lock people in and we would offer lower yield rates because of that, because it's just the natural dynamics of having some, a fixed yield product. So by having it variable, but also not locking anybody in, um, you know, we let people decide you know, themselves, are they comfortable with a 4% interest rate? You know, mm -hmm. it might not be as enticing as like a 20% like it was earlier in the year. Um, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. And we, we, we have to live and die by the market. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the system is sound and, you know, people are always uh, guaranteed a one-to-one -one redemption uh, with, uh, you know, Alios to die. Really cool. So, uh, 
overall, like we're, we're pretty satisfied with it. Um, you know, even with the yields lower, it's still CDP flat platform, you know, and you're getting a 0% interest loan. Mm. Right. So like there, there's something to be said for that. Totally. Um, I think just like being able to, to do this is, is a bit like mind blowing. Like it, it sounds like very kind of like magical, you know, have like self paying loans with no liquidation risk. Um, do you think you, you'd be able to even build this, uh, in traditional finance? So I think like the, the closest analog that there would be in, um, in traditional finance is having like an investment property and then, uh, like home equity loan on top mm. of it. So like then your tenants would pay, you know, their, 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 um, their rent, and then that would basically pay off your home equity line of credit. Um, but that also involves owning a property, managing a property, mm-hmm. uh, you know, finding tenants, uh, you know, and if you're not doing all that stuff, then paying a management company to do all those things. Um, and Alchemix basically brings like a, you know, home equity line of credit just to, you know, your assets, just base assets. So I think that's really cool. So what do you think is, is like the, the core innovation in DeFi that allows you to do this? Uh, it's composability. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that like, you know, uh, we can hook into urine and they can't stop us if they, you know, and we got their blessing and we work with the urine team, but it's all permissionless. You know, if they didn't like us, they, they'd have no way of stopping us from using their platform mm-hmm. anyway. So I think that permissionlessness and the composability between, um, you know, different protocols and assets, you know, money Legos um, are really what makes DeFi uh, superior to anything in the in the traditional finance world. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I, I love the money Legos concept. But at the same time, you know, have all these Legos snapping together. Um, and, and like I said before, it is like kind of this like ladder of like just like different uh, protocols which in the end are maybe like layers of risk that you're adding onto uh, a product. Uh, I don't know if, if, if you agree or, or, or if that's right, but if you can just like talk about uh, potential systemic risk, which just seems like would be the case when, when you are, your pro- product just like inherently relies on so many other uh, protocols. So how do you think about systemic risk both for Alchemics and for DeFi in general, when everything is plugged in uh, together. Yeah, this is something that we do think about a lot um, out Alchemics, um, which is the reason why we went with Yearn over other yield uh, aggregators uh, for our V1 is because you know they have a pristine track record, um, and their you know their development team is, is top notch, and you know they they are they are conservative. They don't chase some of the higher yield strategies because they do, you know, they might have a little bit of lossiness to them, mm. yeah, so to speak. Um, and you know, you know, we might miss out on some of the higher yields, but we also gain you know you know peace of mind knowing that that urine is properly managing the money. Um, you know, they're, they're going to select the protocols that they integrate strategies with, uh, with a lot of caution as well. Um, in our V2, we're going to be opening up to, um, like multi-collateral and multi-strategies. Mm. And basically at that point, we're going to be pushing the risk assessment onto our users. Mm. Um, because if they want to chase after a higher yield strategy, but then that blows up, 
it'll be on them to repay their bad debt at that point. Mm, I see. Right, it'll loss break to just that strategy that they put it in. So if they want to go the conservative route, you know, put it in like a compound or an Aave, they can do that. But if they wanted to go a little bit more degen and put it into, you know, a, a riskier strategy that's higher yield, they can do that. But they have to accept the risks that are involved with it. And right now, is it on Alchemix to pay any potential bad debt? Um, at this point, like if urine like were to blow up and take a loss, you know, we'd have to talk to the urine teams, talk about like, you know, how we could manage that and everything like that. Um, and we would look into, you know, using our treasury assets to reimburse people and, and stuff like that. But, um, thankfully nothing bad has happened. We haven't had to, you know, to worry about that and those mm -hmm. problems. Um, yeah, so that. In our in our V2, uh, we're making a, a like a, a full on-chain DAO, and uh, you know I, I really like the the Ave security module that they have for their DAO. So you would stake Ave in that, and you you know re earn a return in order you know for staking Ave. But with the catch that you actually have something at stake if you if the the DAO you know, approves risky strategies or risky assets in there. And then that causes a black swan or, you know, a negative uh, event to happen. Then in the, that case, um, the Aave stakers uh, can get slashed in order to sell the Aave tokens mm. at an auction to, uh, you know, kind of make the uh, pay off the bad debt. And that, that's something we're making in our Alchemix DAO, which we're expecting to launch sometime mid next year um, after our V2 comes out, uh, hopefully uh, end of year this year. Oh, very cool. Um, okay. I, I... And, and like our V2, we, it loss spreads to every single strategy, like individually. Mm -hmm. That puts the onus more on the users. Right. For selecting, you know, you know that. So we'll, we'll have a, you know, a, a license or a, you know, terms of service. Be like, hey, do you accept that this could happen and that this, this is, you know, this would be on you and not the Alchemics protocol, unless it's found out that our implementation was the root cause. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, and that's a completely different calculus, and we'd have to really work with the community to try to make things right. So um, what uh, other collateral do you expect to add in, in V2? Um, so in V2, we're basically uh, having open arms to any viable stable coin that is out mm. there. Um, right now, we only have DAI. Um, you know, like we'd also potentially have, you know, other assets like USDC, um You know, SUSD from synthetics, um, LUSD from liquidity, Frax, uh, MIM, uh, and different decentralized stablecoins as well. As long as they've had a, a strong history of being, you know, like having a whole strong peg, and you know, we're, we're confident in their teams to, you know, continue developing uh, their projects and supporting them then there's a high likelihood that they're going to get on Upcomix as a LUSD collateral. And for ETH, um, we're really looking at things like uh, Lido's stake ETH, Rocket Pool's mm. RETH, things like that, because those, especially after the merge happens, those are going to be like an amazing source of yield and very, you know, very uh, uh, reliable as well. You're not going to have to worry about like 
10 different Legos interacting and, you know, having one of them blow up, it'll, it'll be a lot simpler. Mm, interesting. And will there be a DAO that uh, approves all these new collateral types or will it be the Alchemics team at first? It's going to be um, maybe like for the launch of V2, like, you know, we'll, we'll have an active hand in that. But even then, like, it's going to be really DAO decisions, uh, you know, even if that means the Alchemics team makes a proposal, like we still want to get it authorized by the community mm. uh, because we think that gives a lot of legitimacy to the decisions that we make. Mm, okay. And being an open organization uh, of sorts, uh, at least the government's process is open at this point. Other people can make proposals. Like, so if you're, you know, a different you know, protocol and your stablecoin isn't in, in Alchemics, you can write a proposal. And make your case to, you know, have it be accepted on Alchemics. And, you know, then if it gets accepted, then, you know, we'll, we'll go to work and, and work on implementing it. Cool. Um, and then will the same thing happen with, um, with like, yield aggregators or, like, with, like, the places where that uh, collateral goes? Yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, like, the yield aggregation space and, like, kind of interest-bearing tokens, like, it's not standardized. Mm. So every single strategy that we would make, we'd have to have a bespoke adapter in order to make it work in our system. Mm. Um, it would be really, really, really awesome if there was like an ERC, you know, standardized yield bearing token out there. So they would just have the same methods that could be called. And that way, if that happens, then we could go full on, you know, permissionless, decentralized, let anybody plug in anything to Alchemist. Oh, cool. Okay, but at this point, yeah, like but, it needs to be like, just like, uh, approved. Yeah, it goes through a doubt process. Okay. It goes through a doubt process to get on there. Okay, really cool. And this, uh, this, the V2 will, is expected to be launched mid, uh, next year? So um, V2, it goes into audit on November 1st. Mm -hmm. And expected audit time is six to eight weeks. Um, so if things go really well, in the audit, and we don't have to go back and refactor anything, um, then December launch uh, is a possibility. Mm. Um, but, it, you know, if it goes slower, we have to, you know, send it back for refactor, and then a second audit process, uh, then it'll probably be January. Oh, okay. Oh, so pretty, pretty soon. Um, yes. Very cool. And then the DAO would be a separate thing that we're making, um, and the, the spec is designed for it, and some of the code is already uh, written down for it, but we're focusing on uh, V2 and getting more collaterals and strategies integrated at the moment uh, and putting that to the side for just now. Awesome. Um, okay, so I also want to talk about uh, DeFi 2.0, which... It's a term that maybe you coined, but I'm not sure. But at least, like, you've popularized it. Like, you wrote uh, this uh, big thread on it. Um, we covered it um, at the Defiant. Um, and so if you can just talk about, about this, like, movement, if, if you can call it that. Like, what's it all about? How is it different from, like, Defiant 1.0, I guess? Um, some some internet sleuths went back and tried to find the origin uh, origin of DeFi 2.0, and I think Stani from Ave said it mm. way back in 2019, and then um, sort of like earlier this year um, when there was like a sort of new wave of DeFi projects that were released early in the year, uh, Mune, the you know the the Ditto Sofa mm -hmm. Couch, you know. Um, he, he called it DeFi 2.0 when I was calling it like Gen 2 DeFi. And then when I made the thread, just arbitrarily said DeFi 2.0 and then talked about, you know, sort of the, the new dynamics for, you know, DAOs as sort of as like firms in a sense. 
um, and changing the liquidity mining dynamics and stuff like that. And then that kind of caught on as, you know, what De DeFi 2.0 is at this point. So, okay. So, so what is it? Like, wh what are the main characteristics? Yeah. So all in like 2020 and 2021, the way that like DeFi protocols would bootstrap and grow was through liquidity mining and yield farming. So there would be like pool ones where they would deposit one asset or like a um, like an LP token for stable assets like a curve LP. Um, and then they would get the governance token for uh, supplying that asset to the protocol. Um, and that's like a, you know, if it's just the single asset, sort of like what Sushi and Yam did, that's more of just like a distribution method. And then for like the, the stable LPs and stuff like that, that's more for sourcing important liquidity for a protocol. Mm -hmm. And the other side is uh, the pool two, which is the governance token paired with another token, usually ETH. Um, and, and these are great ways to grow the protocol, get people interested in it and really bootstrap it. Um, and grow the liquidity. But the longer these programs run on, uh, the more kind of like toxic um, liquidity flows happen. Like what you know usually happens is like a giant whale will enter the game with the sole purpose of dumping every single gov token that they can get in order to maximize their profit. And, and then when this kind of dynamic happens, um, other people who are participating in the liquidity mining see, oh man, other people are dumping. Mm. And if they continue to do so, the price is going to continue to go down. So I'm not going to lose out on, you know, the stated APR that I'm supposed to be getting. So I better start dumping my tokens mm. too, or else I'm going to lose. And then this happens more and more and more. And then the, the, uh, the actual yield that you're getting goes down because the governance token is going down mm -hmm. with it. And then it sort of seems, you know, there's a steady downwards trend for these tokens that, that have active uh, liquidity mining programs. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I was trying to think of, like, how can we solve this problem? Because liquidity is super important. How can we get it in a different way that doesn't lead to these outcomes? And, you know, I think the only ideas really in the space at the time were, like, you know, vesting it. You know, you, you could claim your tokens a year later. But that would just delay mm. the inevitable, right? Or, you know, if you claim it now, you get half, you know, you know, like sort of like, a, I think, ellipses on uh, Binance Smart Chain, they do that with their rewards. Um, so you reward long-term holders, but you still have the same dynamic where people are in a race to, to dump it in order to, you know, maximize their yield. Um, so... I, I was thinking about this, and over the course of the year, I uh, became an Ami, you know, from Olympus Dow. I, I got my ohm, and, you know, I decided, you know what? I don't know if this is going to work. You know, I don't know if this is going to collapse or anything like that, but I'm going to put in what I can afford to lose mm -hmm. and see what happens. And I'm going to hold it for at least a year. And I did that and, you know, it kind of made me curious about their project, it made me want to learn more about it. And, and, you know, I started going down the rabbit hole. Can, yeah, yeah no, can you explain what OM is about for, because it's, yeah, pretty. Yeah, yeah. So Olympus DAO is a, uh, that's like the token mm -hmm. OM, uh, it comes from Olympus DAO. It's, it's sort of like an algorithmic currency. I wouldn't call it an algorithmic stablecoin, though. Um, they, they say that every single ohm is backed by at least one die, and that is a guarantee. Um, but instead of doing a liquidity mining program, they do a bonding program. So you would buy ohm by either um, 
buying it with uh, their LP shares, which is Ohm uh, Dai, or you can actually buy it with Dai, um, Frax, and I think there's like maybe one or two other assets that you can buy it with. I think ETH is involved in that as well. Um, and then all that money goes into their treasury, which uh, then backs the price of Ohm even more. And uh, what they do to in order to keep this this running is like when people get the ohm, they can stake it uh, for a really high APY to get more and more and more ohm. And you know, eventually, you know, like they they keep on bringing down the APY, bringing it down, bringing it down. It, it started at like one hundred fifty thousand yeah. percent, and now it's a much more reasonable, but still kind of mm-hmm. ridiculous, eight thousand um, percent. So, uh, but they keep, they're going to keep on like, you know, they have a runway essentially. Like they, they know that we have this much in assets and there's this many Ohm out there. And if they're supposed to be backed by one die minimum each, then with this API, we know we have this amount of runway, Mm -hmm. right? And so they're always thinking about like, let's keep the runway at least at this target length. And, you know, as more bonds uh, are sold and more assets are added to the treasury, um, that runway extends, uh, but then also as there's more and more ohm, you know, they they have to bring down the APY in order to you know compensate for the extra supply and everything like that. So eventually, I know that they're going to plan to get the APY down uh, under a hundred percent in order to make it more sustainable in the long Got run. Got it. Okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you. It becomes like a a firm of a sense, Mm -hmm. you know, where it becomes, it's like a fractionally backed currency, much like, you know, the dollar or anything else is out Mm -hmm. there. And and the idea Mm -hmm. is that you are, you're you're incentivized to stay in, in the protocol rather than just like, you know, earn, earn that governance token and and then dump it uh, because you're earning kind of this um, yield over time. And and since Ohm owns like I think it's like ninety nine percent of the liquidity for Ohm, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're diamond handing it. Like uh, there's a lot of confidence like that. You know, there's good market makers because they're 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 always going to be there to provide the liquidity. They had a recent um, bank run that happened because of cascading liquidations mm-hmm. from people using their Ohm as collateral to borrow stable coins to borrow or to buy more Ohm, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Um, and then, um, you know, it, it, you know, cut their, their market cap in like a day by a billion dollars, but because they had this giant liquidity pool, like with hundreds of millions of dollars in it, um, they were able to absorb the shock and they're back marching up just like they were before it happened. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's proving to be a really resilient system and, and, you know, proving the doubters wrong, uh, time and time again, you know. Much to my delight and surprise. So, okay. So was, was this what in, inspired you to think about alternatives to the original version of, of liquidity mining? Yeah. When like, so with Alchemics, we have um, basically a, a, a pretty liberal three-year um, yield farming program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of goes off to tail inflation. Um, and we were thinking like, what if we don't make all of our goals, uh, you know, and we don't get as much token value accrual by that three-year period, the the amount of incentives left aren't going to be enough 
to ensure that there's adequate liquidity so people can swap LUSD to other assets in order to really, you know, take advantage of the alchemic system. Mm -hmm. And um, we started thinking, like, you know, how can we make the, the this this more sustainable? How can we make this better for our token holders who are getting dumped on by a, a few large whales? And, um, you know, being, you know, an OMI at this point, like, I was like, hmm, what if we use their technology to start, you know, owning our own liquidity? That way, you know, we won't need to incentivize as much in the future. And as our rewards naturally decline over time, um, you know, there'll be enough to meet the market because we'll hold, you know, enough of the supply or enough of the liquidity to meet the demands for the, the users of the product. Mm, okay. So, and that, yeah, that's where we started, you know, talking to Ohm and that was, uh, back in August. Got it. And, and now is uh, Alchemics using Ohm for, for its like liquidity incentives? Yeah, we just started doing um, uh, using Olympus Pro, and we started using that to uh, repurchase like the uh, the LP tokens uh, from people in exchange for uh, ALCX bonds. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we've been doing that for like, two and a half weeks now. We have like one point five million dollars worth of LP that's now in the uh, hands of uh, the Alchemics DAO, and um, so. Uh, like we have a, I think once we get to like around like, you know, $10 million of, you know, liquidity that we own, then we could probably really turn down the pool two incentives because we won't need other people to come in and match that side because there'll be enough to, you know, proportionally to our market cap uh, for us to, you know, have liquidity on the market. Oh, that's interesting. Do you, do you foresee more uh, protocols using this kind of bond-like system to incentivize liquidity? I, I totally, I wholly recommend um, other protocols uh, to pursue Olympus Pro or, you know, they're, you know, an alternative solution to um, liquidity mining or something to complement it mm. because I don't think liquidity mining should go away. I think it, it's a really powerful reward for people who want to support the protocol. Um, it's a great way to grow and bootstrap your project. But it's sort of like a drug. If you over rely on it, if you use it too much, it's going to start to have really disastrous, disastrous effects. Mm. So you got to wean yourself off of it over time. So make your markets, get your liquidity, grow, and then flip the dial, start adjusting the dial. So, you know, you become more and more bond heavy over time so that there's still like an option for liquidity mining for people who want to do that, but it's going to become less and less and less a part of the program in the, in the protocol. That's so interesting. <clears throat> do you think it's, it's equivalent in um, TradFi to companies getting financing from both equity and, and bonds? Is it the same thing? So getting like that, like you're they're they're not like selling their token in order to finance, they are taking out debt against their their tokens in order to finance. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think when when corporations do that and they do that, like, you know, conservatively, it, it's a fine way to finance. But eventually those debts are going to come due and you're going to have to pay those debts. And if a, if a company over relies on this, like, you know, like kind of like the, the Chinese property developer, um, I, I forget their name, Evergarden yeah. or Ever... Yeah. Something, I forget. Ever, Evergrande um, or something. Yeah. Evergrande, yeah, mm -hmm. Evergrande. Um, they, you know, kind of pushed, 
you know, their debt out so far and they had so much. Now the, they're having, they're struggling even to make debt mm-hmm. payments at this point and they can't finance their, their operations anymore. Um, and the whole thing could collapse if they're not bailed out. Um, so I think th- this is different. You're, you're not borrowing. You are conducting a trade with people mm. saying, hey, we're, we're, we'll give you more tokens uh, below the market price in order to get permanent liquidity for our protocol. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest difference there. It, it's, yeah. Awesome. It, we're not just taking on debt. We are building, you know, liquidity in exchange for equity. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, okay, so you, you foresee uh, a future for DeFi where there is more of a mix between uh, liquidity mining and um, this uh, more like protocol controlled uh, liquidity. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I, I think, you know, I don't know if you ever read like Don Tapscott's book, like back in like 2016, no, he had, like, blockchain revolution. Uh, well, he was really big in talking about like DAOs as firms. Mm-hmm. And how, like, that that could be a, a revolution. And we never really saw that happen, I think, until recently with, um, I think, the best examples uh, of this are um, Olympus Dow, mm-hmm. um, also Frax, and Faye. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have, like, they, the Frax and Faye have, like, a, they're semi, like, algorithmic uh, stable coins. Um, but they have a lot of assets under management that they use in order to, to generate revenue to then, you know, grow their supply of their stable coins and also to uh, have uh, add a value to their tokens. So by using these different assets that they control, they're able to become a lot more capital efficient. Yeah, I think Faye is, is such an interesting model uh, along these lines of like protocol uh, controlled um, value uh, because it, it, it just like takes uh, MakerDAO's uh, model and just like pushes it a, a little bit, right? Like, uh, like it works with uh, crypto as collateral, but instead of having borrowers uh, be able to uh, like... Um, uh, withdraw their, their collateral at any time. Faye actually kind of owns that and can use that collateral in 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 other ways to maximize the the capital they have in the protocol. So, like like you said, um, uh, it becomes more capital efficient. Which I guess, like if this feature of DeFi 2.0 means that protocols are uh, owning more of of collateral and and uh, and assets in their protocol. The results should be uh, just greater capital efficiency because they're able to leverage that um, those assets in the way that they they uh, see you know fit or that that just like contributes to like the overall uh, goals or like like the overall value of, of their protocol, right? Yeah, totally. I, I that that's a big theme of uh, I think DeFi 2.0 is like super fluid collateral, super fluid you know like holdings of mm-hmm. tokens. 
where you don't have assets sitting idly doing nothing. You always put them to work. And and the cool thing about DeFi is when you put all these like assets to work, they go into other protocols and then they make DeFi better for mm. other people because there's more liquidity, there's more things to borrow, you know, like more available supply to borrow. So it, it kind of grows the pie for everybody while also benefiting the DAO that is uh, engaging in these operations. Yeah, very cool. Um, what do you think mm. or, or how do you think the relationship with venture capital might change in this in this model? Like, do you think there there can be like DeFi can become less um uh, uh can rely less on on venture capital i um, i think like what might be happening is that when like like projects are getting started up you know, before they've launched, before they have a token, before they have revenue, that, that you know, venture capitalists are still going to be very important for, you know, getting these things off the ground. Mm. You know, Alchemix, we, we were all volunteers uh, and we did this all in our spare time before we launched. Uh, but that's that's more the exception to the rule, not, not you know, not the rule itself. So most people can't afford to do that or if they want to have like a larger team, you know, and, and get really, you know, source really excellent engineers if they don't already have like, you know, a circle of friends to volunteer to do it, they're going to need money in order to get these things done. So I don't think that like venture capitalists are going to, you know, be relegated to the sidelines or anything like that. But I think that, you know, kind of like sometimes uh, protocols will do subsequent rounds. Mm -hmm. um, I think those might become a little bit more rare mm. going, uh, especially when they have the protocol live, if they have, protocol controlled value, you know, like if Alchemix really needs, uh, you know, funding for something and we have like, you know, $20 million in LP tokens, we could just, you know, uh, take a little pinch out of that, th those LP tokens, and then use that to, you know, uh, finance something. Mm -hmm. if, if we really need to, if our protocol income isn't enough as it, you know, as it is mm -hmm. in order to do something big. Um, so I think have, like there's going to be some more optionality for protocols, um, you know, DAOs, to to finance uh, themselves, um, especially with something like a Rary Fuse pool, it becomes really interesting. Mm -hmm. So Rary Fuse essentially is like a factory contract for Compound. So you can make your own Compound instance, set whatever assets you want as collateral. Um, you know, you can allow any of the assets that you want in to allow. You can make them borrowable or not borrowable. Um, you know, it, it's really, really, really powerful. And, and I think if uh, DAOs are using that with like, you know, their governance tokens as, as a collateral, then that's going to give them, you know, a lot of, uh, power to mm. borrow sort of like, you know, corporate debt, as long as it doesn't get out of control and they don't, you know, borrow, you know, recklessly, then I think that's also another way for, for projects to fund. Oh, themselves. that's so interesting. So, so, okay. So like before we were talking about equity, and, and bonds versus this like Olympus DAO model with with this uh, compound uh, like factory from from Rari. Now this is actually more like a bond, like you're borrowing against like your own like protocol token. Yeah. So interesting. At that point, yeah, it becomes really powerful. Like it, it's just Lego bricks in you know like permissionless finance, you know, open finance, mm. like. People call it DeFi, but I've always thought that open finance was the, the more apt description because it really is like this open playground and then you can build with people on top of people, 
you know, and stuff like that. And I think that's what really, you know, makes it special. Yeah. And I have a, a question related to that, actually. So, um, you know, this, this concept of open finance, it's like all these protocols and projects uh, building out in the open with open source code. And um, it, it really just like challenges the whole concept of competition that is like so like such a, a core part of just like building a startup or, or building a company. Um, like recently I saw that this project Kinetic uh, built something like similar to Alchemics or like a borrowing, I guess, code or inspiring, like code inspired by uh, Alchemics. And that you guys were actually like really supportive of, of that happening, and and that um, this team is planning to airdrop uh, Alchemics holders tokens from from their project. So it's just like a such a different dynamic from what you're used to in traditional finance or or in Web two. But I, I wonder like how sustainable can that be? Like in like if if like this like kinetic team actually starts competing with with alchemic somehow um i mean is there a point where 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 this like whole ethos of like open source and collaboration and, and building together um does it come to a point where you know the stakes are high and that just like doesn't make sense anymore or how, how do you think about that Uh, well, that's a really good question. With um, We've been forked or cloned uh, a handful mm -hmm. of times already, and typically our go-to strategy is, like, if these teams aren't going to try to offer us a tribute or anything like that, they're just going to rip our code off, then we're just going to ignore them completely, and that seems to have been a really good uh, way because none of those projects have taken mm -hmm. off. Um, Kinetic is a little bit different though because they're not a really a direct fork they they you know they took the idea from us for sure uh, but they're built on terra which is not a solidity uh, or evm chain mm. they have to program that in uh, cosmos wasm which is a rust language um and so you know since we don't really have cosmos developers or terra developers on our team and uh we don't you know plan to expand onto terra Um, and that they reached out to us, let the, let us know what they were doing mm. and then offered to airdrop our community tokens. Um, I don't think that there's really any reason to be hostile towards them. Um, we're alchemics in our uh, post V2 world. We're going to be expanding to, you know, lots of different chains, you know, Polygon, Arbitrum, mm. uh, probably Avalanche, thinking about BSC, um, and other ones like that. So, you know, they can have their little sandbox over in Terra and we're, you know, everyone, when they think about self-paying loans, they're not going to think about Kinetic. They're going to think about Alchemics, mm. right? And if we have a large presence all over the place, you know, you know, ultimately we're going to have the network effects of that and we have the community built and, you know, those are things that are really hard to build and fork away. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, It, it's on one hand, you can't stop people from doing that. Even if we close sourced our software, mm -hmm. they can, um, you know, decompile it from looking at the byte code on, on Ethereum and, and rebuild it themselves. So there's, once the idea is out, once the code is deployed, you know, it's out there and anybody can fork it, anybody can copy it, but not everybody can, you know, gain the trust of the community. Not everybody can market it correctly. Not everybody has the right strategy for how to grow mm -hmm. it. 
And those are things I think that, um, you know, the alchemics team are really, really good at. Um, and also since we're first. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, for it. You know, if, if they become bigger than us and they execute better than us, that just means that we weren't doing our best and that, you know, they outcompeted us and that's the free market at the end of the day. So having a little healthy competition is not a bad thing. It's going to keep us on our toes, make us like a gingerbread man. We're going to run faster than you. Catch me <laughs> if you can, right? I love it. So. Okay. Um, no, that's, that's, I totally agree. Okay. And then to, to wrap up, um, what are you uh, most excited about? Like uh, other projects other than Alchemix or, or just like trends that you're seeing in, in DeFi or like um, wh what do you want to uh, to get built that, that you haven't seen yet? Um, man, uh, there's like a lot of stuff going on that's being built now. Lots of different yield derivatives. Um, what I want to see are... Um, more like this is like there's a number of like services that provide on ramps into DeFi, mm -hmm. you know, like without having to go to a Coinbase or you know a Kraken or something like that. But I'd like to see it more interface with like real world finance and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like where if I take out a self repaying loan, I can have that attached to a credit card and then just swipe it, you know, and then pay for something that way. I think that would be really really mm -hmm. powerful. Or using sort of like yield derivatives as ways to finance things. Like imagine paying for subscription services where you don't like actually have to put out any money towards it. You just put down a deposit that you can withdraw at any time. And then the yield will then like pay off, you know, your Netflix subscription and things like that. Yeah. I think those are like really powerful concepts. Um, also like really looking forward to seeing like as the DAOs evolve from sort of like, you know, this just like voting on governance proposals type of thing like they have now, but to being like active, you know, managers of money and, and you know, things like that and, and through controlling their protocol value and everything. Mm. Um, and especially when like these firms get more and more powerful and, and richer and richer, then seeing how they can do good for the world. I think that's what's really exciting, mm. you know, getting these, you know, these DAOs having a mission, being able to interface with the real world. Um, you know, I'm, you know, very, 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 you know, concerned and, and passionate about, you know, the future of the planet, you know, global warming and everything like that. And I think it would be like amazing to, you know, have like a DAO that, you know, just makes solar panels and then sells the, uh, the profits back you know, for their token. And then, you know, people be like, oh, wow, if I buy this token, they're going to buy more solar panels. And then if they're going to buy back their token, and, you know, things like mm. that, I think are like really, really cool. Um, and I'd like to see more of that for sure. Um, like getting beyond just like DGen games to maximize your, your crypto experience, but actually going beyond that to, you know, becoming powerful world entities. Mm. I think that that's what I want to see. And you do have some like a charitable uh, initiative, right? Is that kind of related to to what you what you're saying now? I mean, we we do pay people's debts for them, so I guess that's charity in some in 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 some respect. Um, but I imagine like like think about like if you're a charity DAO, like in V two, we're going to be very extensible and composable, mm -hmm. um, whereas V one is very much locked down because we we had security concerns. Um, where like imagine you have like a, a Moloch DAO right now. Uh, in Moloch DAOs, people just kind of pull the, the, together capital and then you know distribute it to to different grantees. And then once the capital's gone, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and then the DAO dissolves unless people do- donate more. But imagine they build uh, their molecule into Alchemix, and then they, t- they take out like an Aleth or an AlUSD loan, and then they use that as a basis for uh, paying uh, you know grants and stuff like that. Um, in that case, you know their their capital will regenerate after a number of years, and they'll be able to do more and more rounds of grants in the future. And I think that's a, a really cool concept. And uh, I really want to you know talk to lots of like DAOs and and, uh, and you know to maybe consider Alchemics as a part of their treasury management. Awesome. Well, I, I love to see that that sort of thinking um, in a world where it seems like it, it's all about kind of like maximizing yield and degen games and you know that kind of stuff. Which, you know, it's fun. But yeah, I feel like sometimes in DeFi, people just like forget about just like real world uh, issues and, and how we can actually have make an impact on uh, on like real people's lives. Um, so I think this is the natural course of things, mm-hmm. though, because it's sort of like, you know, Bitcoin started just as this like degenerate speculative asset. And now it's becoming an institutional form of money, mm-hmm. you know, and being used in like, you know, ETF got approved in America. Right. And I think that that's sort of like what gets people to adopt it is this, you know, the speculative mm-hmm. waves of adoption. But once it matures, then it can find a foothold in, you know, in interface with, uh, you know, the actual financial system, like yeah. the real world financial system. And I think DeFi and DAOs are going through this process as well. And it's just going to take time to get there. It's going to take some regulatory clarity, you know, some precedent set, you know, some really daring people, um, you know, who, who try to challenge, you know, you know, the system in order to sort of make a place for us mm-hmm. in the real, you know, until then I'm going to be a 2D character. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, okay. Well, Scooby, this was amazing. Uh, such an interesting conversation. Really. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This was great. Yay. And before we close, here's another word about our awesome sponsors. Integral is a new DeFi primitive and OTC trading protocol built for large crypto trades. Large trades can be a challenge in DeFi. On a typical $1 million order, $10,000 is lost due to front-running, widespread, and price impacts. Whales, crypto funds, and financial institutions all experience these issues. With Integral, traders can now efficiently execute multi-million dollar trades with one-click TWAP, tight spreads, programmatic execution, and native on-chain settlement. Visit integral.link to trade with size on DeFi. Don't let high gas costs keep you out of Ethereum. At Balancer, you can trade all you want and get most of the gas costs back in your pocket. In their new Bal for Gas campaign, traders are receiving six figures worth of Bal tokens every week. And with V2 just around the corner, Balancer is becoming the one-stop shop for DeFi liquidity. Balancer V2 brings stable pools and weighted pools tightly integrated under a single protocol, flash loans, lending via asset managers, and much more. Check it out at balancer.finance. The new Kraken app is one of the best places to invest in some of the most popular DeFi assets like Uniswap, Aave, Polkadot tokens, and more. Just download the app and get started in minutes. Plus, you can earn additional rewards through Kraken's industry-leading staking product. Payouts are twice a week, and you can earn up to 20% annually on some of your favorite cryptos. Sign up today at kraken.com defiant, or type Kraken in the App Store to learn more. Experience DeFi. 
Deposit, Earn and Borrow on Aave. Aave is a decentralized, open source and non-custodial liquidity protocol to earn interest on deposits and borrow assets. Deposit and start earning interest in real time directly in your wallet and swap any of your deposited assets at any time to get some of the best deals on the market. Aave protocol liquidity pools are now available on Ethereum and on the sidechain Polygon. Head over to app.ave.com to get started today. I'll continue to interview all the major founders and influencers in this emerging space. When DeFi eats the world, you can say you heard them here first. Tune in next week.